Hey, happy 2023, everyone. Last year was the end of the third season of the show. Kind of mind-boggling. 150 episodes. 150 episodes. I still can't believe it. And this is the first episode of season four. And today, I am the guest. Yes, I am the guest. In the past, for those avid listeners out there, you've heard that sometimes people ask me questions here and there, and today I'm getting all of the questions, well, except maybe one. And the person interviewing me today is none other than my guest, who is the first guest in season three, which is my dear wife, Kirsten Frizzell. And she's here with us today, and she's going to be interviewing me. I'm not exactly sure what to expect. I have some ideas. It could get a little hairy in a good way. And with that, I'm going to turn over the hosting reins to Kirsten, who's here with us, and she's going to interview me today. So Kirsten, hi, love you. Thanks for doing this with me today. And so good to have you back on the show. And with that, I am officially taking off my host hat and putting off my guest hat. All right. Um, Well, my first question, which isn't on the script, is does this mean you are officially a cool person since you went from interviewing cool people to now you are the cool person? Mm. That's a great first question. <laughs> Don't think I'm going to ask my future guest this when I take the hosting reins back in another episode, but oh, I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, because it's my show, I get to interview whoever I want. And honestly, I think all of my guests are cool. So maybe that's enough for me to think I'm cool. But no, I might be the un- most uncool person I've had on the show <laughs> as a guest. Good question. Good good way to start. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to officially denote you as a an official cool person. There you now go. Now at episode 151 or whatever number we're at. There it um, is. All right. So you have officially become cool after four seasons. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, how are you feeling about being a guest and specifically about me interviewing you? Mm, I'm feeling good about being a guest because I've been a guest on many podcasts. Also, I know these questions extremely well since I've asked them each 150 times, if not more. With you as the host, I have a feeling there's going to be some surprises, to be totally honest with you. And I love surprises, and I'm excited to see what you come up with. And a little scared. A little scared, but I think we'll get through it. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Okay, well, here we go. And for those, you know, most, because this is just an audio podcast, my wife did a little, you know, evil finger twirling thing. So I think she might have some things in mind. <laughs> um, I'm going to change the narrative on that. That was not evil. That was. Uh, it was scheming. It was a leadership moment for me. Thank you. It was a leadership. Yeah. <laughs> great. You could tell Kirsten's okay. had a lot of great coaching. She just did a complete reframe. Very good. All right. <laughs> okay. So we are going to kick it off with the questions. Um, Yeah. So question number one, what is something you nerd out about? Oh, shocking question. You only get to, you only get one thing you nerd out about. So what is the one thing you nerd out about? Oh man. Well, you know, the answer to all these. Um, well, I'm taking it, you know, this is, it's January 16th, 2023. I nerd out about so many things. I think it's one of the things about my personalities. I like to nerd out, out, nerd out on things. But the thing that is present for me right now is building Legos with our daughter. 
and I'll give you a little more context for the audience. And I talked about this last year with my friend and uh, business um, business peer, Mike Kim, who's also in his 40s. And we talked about how when you become an adult, and as a child, you were told no to toys. And as an adult, you have the means to go and be like, hey, I think I want that Lego set. And for Mike, he was a Transformers kid, and he was told he couldn't buy a lot of these Transformers. So we actually talked about how he has a stack of like Transformers he's bought, because he can afford it now. So I am really nerding out about in the best way about Legos, specifically introducing our almost seven-year-old daughter to the idea of building Legos and also building it myself. And I'm still having so much fun with it. And it is like, I took her, first of all, I took her to Legoland, which is super cool. You know that the audience doesn't. And then we're building like Star Wars Legos. She has some Jurassic World Legos. And so I'm nerding out about the idea that we get to do this together. I'm also super geeked out on the fact that she's really good at it. Like she's actually really good at it. And this is apparent brag, but the truth is like she's doing 10 plus sets and she's built stuff all herself, as you know. And man, that is so super cool because not all kids are good at Legos. Like this is not their thing. It's actually her thing, which is really, really cool. So I'm very much nerding out on building Legos with her, but also nerding out on the fact that it's something that she loves doing too. Totally. And it's justifying all of the Lego purchases. Yeah, these sets are. Uh, yeah, these sets are not cheap, are. but man, are they cool! <laughs> um, just to give the audience a little bit more context, there's been a lot of Lego purchases over the last, I would say, like maybe nine months, to the point where I said they need to have a house to live because our son likes to get mad and throw them and break them. Um, so they're living in your shed off camera. Or your office off camera. So that's true. Yeah. They're they have a special and, daddy shelf in the office. It's only for Han and Dad to come <laughs> and play with. Right now at least. Lots of paychecks are going to Legos, but that's okay. It's a good thing it's for you brand. and my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great brand. Um great brand. Cool. Uh I mean, I would have guessed that was your answer, but I'm glad that you shared yeah. more with everybody else. Um yeah. Can I also share one other thing you nerd out about? Would you I'm not sure the host here. You're the host. Okay. You do whatever you want. Jason also nerds out about Dead and Company, specifically with our son. Um, and so I, I guess he was going to share either about Legos with her daughter or Dead and Company. Um, so glad that I could share the second. Um, yeah. Okay, question number two. Yeah. What is something that's inside your comfort zone that might be outside of someone else's and vice mm. versa? What is something outside your comfort zone that might be inside somebody else's? Yeah. Something that's inside my comfort zone that I know is outside of a lot of people. And this has always been my personality. Some, one of my coach friends described this as one of my superpowers, which I agree. I am not afraid to try new things and I'm also not afraid to fail. A lot of times you have somebody that's like not afraid to try new things, but they need it to be perfect. And a lot of times it's kind of the, the opposite. I have, uh, and I learned a lot about this in the last five years about myself, but like I'm willing to go up and give a speech and not know exactly what I'm doing. I'm willing to get on a podcast and not do it. I'm willing to, um, my personal life to just like go and try things 
And if it's, even if it's not perfect, I'm like, I'm really glad I did that. And I was talking to even like creative endeavors, like creative things and like business building things like, Hey, I want to go and try this new way of coaching or this new program that I'm going to set up and run with my friend. We're not exactly sure how it's going to go, but I'm actually totally cool with that. Like that does not give me any anxiety at all, very much in my comfort zone. And I know just from the work I do and from knowing a lot of other people and being a business, you know, working in corporate for 20 years, that's not all that common and also not very encouraged in the business world. A for-profit company, when you work for other people, like you kind of got to know your stuff and you got to, especially in sales, you kind of got to have a pretty distinct plan before you go out and execute it. And um, yeah, that's just something that's inside my comfort zone, which I really like. And, you know, you know that I went through pretty extensive improv training in New York, like that is very useful for that because it teaches you that you can get up and you actually don't know what's coming. And no matter what you do, you don't die and the world doesn't explode and life go- <laughs> life goes on. Yeah. So that's something that's definitely inside of my comfort zone. Something that is outside of my comfort zone. There's a, f- there's a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to answer, give two answers to this one. One of them is, um, graciously accepting compliments with a thank you without couching it. So something that I'm working on, I've gotten better at it, but I have always been a person who's been very comfortable with giving others credit, giving a reason why it wasn't that hard, why there's like, you know, incorporate like, oh, that's a team effort, da, 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 da. And or even like personal athletics. Oh, it's because the team da 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 da. And it's funny because I played tennis. So tennis, I played singles, which is actually just you. But oh, the coach or like you know, with the opponent, I'd always couch my what I would say. I call it couching your greatness. I'm on unco- still uncomfortable with that. People are like, oh, I love your podcast. I'm like, yeah, it's because I have good guests. Like, there's always a reason why it isn't actually me, which I think is a benefit and also the power of myself. The second thing is. Um, talking about money and you know this like not with the two of us but more this to me is very cultural the way and this isn't really about my parents just about like the culture of the midwest audience people that know me know i grew up in minnesota talking about money with my parents my grandparents anybody my that was just not a thing like we didn't talk about money we didn't talk about what people make what they made in the market what housing is worth. And this is pre Zillow and all these things where you can go like, Oh, that's worth about that before the internet. Like you, we, you never be like, Oh, like, well, I think my house has gone up $50,000 in equity. And Oh my gosh. in the market this year just was not ever a thing. And even what, as an adult was never a thing. And then I moved out to the East coast where it's just much more culturally accepted. And it's not to say that we sit around with friends or colleagues and talk about money all the time, but people in New York would be like, Hey, so how much did you make last year? It's like a very direct, normal question. I'd be like, oh, that's really weird. And I'm still very uncomfortable with talking about those things, um, which I think partially goes back to the first thing I'm uncomfortable with. Probably something around there like owning greatness. Oh, I, I did well last year. Oh, but it's because of this, that, and the next thing. So those are two things that are front and center for me on what I, that is outside of my comfort zone that I know is inside of other people's. Totally interesting. The The money thing struck me a bit because I'm also uncomfortable talking about money and I don't really think it's anyone's business. So I'm not forward about it at all. But as a female in business and somebody who has grown their career in business, 
I found it really important to help people understand what their value could be um, Mm. by discussing money, especially with younger females. So if there are female listeners out here and you're mentoring someone, I think it's really important to be upfront um, so that they can understand what they should be asking for, how they can negotiate and all of that stuff. So um, I agree with you, but especially as a female, I think it's even more apparent to me how much you need to help other females because you know statistics show we make i think it's like what 75 cents on the dollar um for every man um so yeah i've had to learn how to skirt around my comfort but also in service of others um yeah i feel like you would talk about money if it was in service of somebody else oh for sure oh with other people i'm like bring it on we'll we'll have whatever conversation you want i want to give a very quick example as you were saying this it reminded me of it I went to, I remember uh, I worked at a startup in 2015 and I, and I was the first employee of a specific role there. And I remember the recruiter was like, well, what are your salary requirements? And I remember saying something along the lines of, well, what are you looking to pay? <laughs> Which is just the wrong answer. But the truth of it was they never hired for my role. So they didn't even know what the market rate was. And I probably could have potentially put out more, but I was like, Let's make it really fair and reasonable because I don't want to actually own what I could be worth. And I'm, I think we've talked about this, but if not, I, maybe I cost our family some money, but I think it's all been fine. But like for me, it's much more easy to be like, well, I make this now or used to be at least I make this now. So it's probably reasonable to be about like this. And if does that work for you? Like very couching, which I which is true. And, also, you know, it's funny that we live in New York in New York. Now you have to post salary. You have to post salary. And I also believe that it is illegal in New York to ask people what they made previously, which I think is should be wonderful for employees, sucks for employers. But, you know, employers almost always have the power in these conversations, almost always, except for like maybe one year, <laughs> the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. Yeah, it's a, it's it's illegal for uh, a company to ask you what you're making, but they they should ask you what your range is. What do you need to do to, yeah. to come to this company? So yeah. I think employees still do have power because, you know, if, if, if the salary range doesn't work, then you should cut off the conversation. Like if you need to make $100,000 and their max is $80,000, like it's not the right job for you. That's um, right. So anyways, yeah, I have been at the same job as you know, for 12 years and haven't been able to, to negotiate, but my negotiation skills have grown significantly in 12 years. And so I don't want to leave yeah. my job, but I would look forward to negotiating sh- should that be a thing. Um, because I negotiate a lot in my daily life, but haven't been able to negotiate my salary. But I also didn't really negotiate my salary 12 years ago because I didn't know how yeah. and no one yeah. taught me how. Um, yeah. So, and also, you're like we're we're both learning a lot at, about negotiation from a six year old. Totally, who's very good. She's maybe better. Very than, good. She should maybe be giving lessons. Um, okay, shifting gears. Um, you have five minutes to deliver a speech to the world. What would you give your speech on, and what is your call to action? Hmm. Well, this has changed a little bit. You know, I've obviously came up with this question three and a half years ago. And I think about for myself what it would be if I had five minutes now, I got this from the movie Stutz and it it actually, it's part of what I would always have my answer to be, but it's a very specific way of saying it. So in the movie Stutz, which is on Netflix, Jonah Hill interviews his 
his psychiatrist talks a lot about, it's a lot about therapy. There's some coaching related things in there. And Phil Stutz is his um, brilliant, you know, brilliant person. They've been together six years. Phil also has Parkinson's. He's 74. So they talk about, you know, mortality and all those things. And he has this thing that I think is just brilliant. He says, do you want to be right or do you want to create something? And he asks his clients that. And so if I had five minutes, I would talk about, do you want to be right about your circumstances, about what you know to be true, about your held beliefs about a person or a thing, or quite frankly, and most powerfully yourself, or do you want to go create something new and create something different? And for each, and I don't, the thing I like about that speech and the thing I care about is I don't know the how, I don't know the how, like I might have some ideas for you because we know each other and we're married, but for a lot of people, I don't know the how, I don't know how you're going to go and create this next thing. But the topic is actually, are you willing to challenge what you believe or know to be true in order to create what you actually want? You know this too. You're a high performance leader. You motivate people all the time. You're a very inspiring leader. You're a coach, not as a profession, but that's part of your, a core part of your role. Most all of us are held back only by our own stuff most of the time. And also what we believe to be true. I'll give you an example of this. Like when companies, when people don't get promoted at a company, which happens at every company, most of the time, most people I know is it's because it's somebody else's fault. Like the company only had a certain number or the company didn't invest in me and all that. Probably partially right. In some cases, that is true. And also, do you just want to be right about that's why? Or what do you want to create going forward? So for me, it's always about the the speech would be something around forward looking and forward movement. And this is not a speech I would have been able to give five years ago or even know about. So this is a this is, you know, thousands of hours of personal development work and a couple thousand hours of coaching people and listening to great speakers and TED Talks. Like this is the thing is what do you want to create next? And it doesn't mean that there aren't things in the way, but how much do you want to be right about those things or how much do you want to create something new? So that's what I would speak about. And I actually have an intention to actually speak about this to to people this year. It may be on podcast, maybe on a stage, and I'm hoping they give me more than five minutes because that would be a pretty weird podcast or stage if it was only five minutes. But if I had to do it, I'd be like, what do you want to create in spite of or what challenge those held beliefs about what's possible? Love it. Um, okay, well, number one, anybody listening wants to book Jason, jasonfrizzell.com, get in yeah. touch. Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. Person's um, also a great, an additional a great podcast host, a great hype person. <laughs> but you have to go um, through her to get me, which is going to be you're going to. It's challenging. She's she's a hard negotiator, as you heard. Um. Yes. Um. <laughs> it's also challenge more challenging to get a hold of me than Jason because I am not a zero <laughs> inbox person. I am a ten thousand plus inbox person. So. Um, you got to try harder with me. Jason is more accessible via channels. Um, yeah. one thing I wanted to touch on that you said that I think is so important, um, is, uh, setting goals around, uh, paths that you don't know, or you don't have the how is so important because if you do have the how and you know, it's possible, you are not thinking big enough in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not setting yourself up for a big enough life. And, um, so I think that is a really important and key piece, uh, of your speech, um, which I think is very yeah. cool. 
I'm sure at some you point I as probably I give a good speech together. Around yeah, we probably we well not only give a good speech together, we should maybe do a podcast episode on it. Say a podcast that I know I can get you booked on quite quickly. Like this one. Maybe we could do a mini series. Maybe we could, we could. We could take a page out of maybe we could take a page out of armchair expert and do a little. No. Seriously, for the audience listening, if you'd like to hear my wife and I talk about this, shoot me an email. Shoot us an email at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. I would love to do that. That uh to, just to give you an you example. Know I have a big about goal about a course. Yeah, well, since we have a, and it's not to sell anything, but since we're here before we go to the commercial break, yes, I know we're going to a commercial break because that's my questions, is one of the intentions for this podcast this year is that I recreate a lot of it. So, hey, want to do a series of my wife as part of the podcast? Cool. Want to have people come on and share stories and not ask me these questions? Cool. Like, do I want to be right that these are the only, this is the only way I can run this podcast or do I want to create something? So this is this podcast will be an example of that philosophy. And thank you, Dr. Phil Stutz, for, for that quote. It is, I will never forget that. So good. And no, this podcast is not sponsored by Stutz on Netflix. But if you'd like to sponsor Netflix, we are here to talk. <laughs> Sounds like you might have a new tattoo coming too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, um, that's do, a great idea. I don't idea. know what the commercial break situation is. Well, we're just going to we're going to take a really now. brief commercial break and we'll be right back after this. The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. How fun is it that I get to interview Jason? Um, so Jason, what do you want the audience to know about you? I asked this question when people want to work with me on our first call. If somebody gets referred into me or something and I'll generally say, I generally run those calls pretty easily. Hey, what, what should I know about you? That would have you be here sitting with me, maybe paying me, maybe working with me, maybe not like what, and, and people will share all sorts of different things. And then I'll say, Hey, what do you want to know about me? Cause I think that's important when in this sort of work that you have that personal connection not to make it about me, but the, I know they're wondering stuff about me. The, the number one thing that comes back is always, well, how did you get into doing what you're doing? So I'm going to share just a little bit about that again. And I've shared this story in the podcast or this uh, narrative a few times. And I have a couple other things I want people to know about me. Number one, um, let's start with why we're here. And Kirsten knows this, uh, but I'm just going to quickly give you my timeline. I was in, I was, we had just had our daughter. I was, mm, I was, I think 40, 39 or 40. And I just realized that although I really loved our life and loved what we were up to, and I actually liked what I was doing, made good money, could have probably rode that out to be quite frankly, uh, frank with you and maybe got promoted. Maybe I just realized that like I was bored was the word bored. And talking to my friend, Andrew Linderman, also fellow podcaster on here. And I met him through an event that you and I went to at General Assembly about storytelling, or if you remember this, and then you got an argue with him about Facebook. Still a good friend of mine. Um, and 
I remember saying to him like, dude, like, what do you think I should do? He's like, oh, you should, you, you feel like you'd be good at doing improv or not even good at improv. You should try improv. It's a cool skill. It's fun. You get in it. You know, it's a great, it's a fun community. It's low stakes. So I went and took an improv intro to improv class and in there met my first coach. And I didn't know what a coach was at all. Met her, had a conversation with her, worked with her, ended up doing the same coach training program as her. 2019 went from side hustle to full time. Yada, yada, yada. Here we are today. So I say that and because the details don't really matter, but I think it's an example of where uh, that story, you never know where you never know when you say yes to something or try something where it could take you. And now I run my own six figure business. I do like podcast speaking, all these other things. And without saying yes to like, hey, like, yeah, improv class, I have a little bit of nerves, it's a little scary. In doing that, we wouldn't, I mean, maybe we'd be here, but we might also both have careers working in sales and corporate sales, which is nothing wrong with that for me. And it's possible and probably would have a lot less stress in some ways. And another way, and I know that I would be way less fulfilled and happy. I want people to know that if there's something that you're debating on saying yes to, and it's because of time, energy, some people money, um, some I get the money thing. Some people just don't have the money to do some things. Other people do have the money, but they'd rather invest it elsewhere or quite frankly, just spend it elsewhere. Cool. But I would just really have you look at what you really want and what might be possible. So it goes back to my speech. So I want people to know that. And I'm not perfect at this either. There's plenty of places in my life where I'm not like, oh my gosh, yes, what's possible? Like, I'm not trying to stand here and tell anybody listening that I know all the answers. What else I want people to know about me is I always related to myself as a, for a long time, as a, um, like, nice middle-class Minnesota kid who grew up moved to New York, who's still related to themselves to themselves in that way. Like not the most educated person in the room. Um, quite frankly, early in my career, I had a ton of imposter syndrome. It's kind of before I even talked about imposter syndrome because I was doing some work. <coughs> excuse me. I was doing some work that was a lot of people on my team were in their forties. I was 25. So I had a whole lot of fear around my ability to like do these roles. And, um, then I want everybody to know that that still comes up for me a lot. It's like a, and it shows up as like a prove that that's not true. And again, sponsored by Netflix in Stutz, Jonah Hill, if you know, and I just want to bring it back because he demonstrates this perfectly. Jonah Hill is a two-time Academy Award nominated actor. And he talks about how he got in shape. He was nominated twice. He was in, you know, Wolf of Wall Street with, with Leo. He was in Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Like he's at the top of his game. And he said inside, I was still that fat kid from 14. Like, and they showed him a picture and he was very large. And he's like, and I would walk into these rooms with these beautiful celebrities. And I was one of them. And all I could see myself was as a 14 year old fat kid. And I'm not saying I saw myself in that way, but I want everybody to know that like, I have a whole, like, I'm still really present to that. And I actually don't think there's anything wrong with how I grew up or like relating to myself that way. But I can tell you when you're on stages speaking in front of 100 plus people, which I've done, or have a podcast with multiple five-figure downloads, or you're working with executives and they're like asking you powerful questions, that still comes up. I'm like, well, who am I? 
who am I to, who am I to be interviewing this person on my podcast? So it's, want everybody know, like I have imposter syndrome too sometimes and it's, it's fading as time goes on, but it's still there. Then the last thing I want people to know about me is that I went from never really knowing anything about the Grateful Dead in, <laughs> in, uh, I mean, I, I, I knew a few, I know some famous songs. I am a classic rock guy. I knew some famous songs. And then I saw Dead and Company live at Bethel Woods in New York in uh, August of 2021. And I was like, okay, this is legit. And now I understand why this band has had such a following, why there's things called Deadheads for since the late 60s. And then I saw them again in 2022, in July of 2022, saw them live at Bethel again. And I want everybody to know that I have actually become an official deadhead where I'm going to two nights in Saratoga next year with a friend. And I listen to at least one dead live song every single day. Like every day I'm listening to it. I will listen to some later. I listen to some this morning. And I'm not somebody who likes the same music, but I can listen to the dead all the time. And that is the powerful information that I want people to know about. So if you want to write in and talk to me about Grateful Dead or Dead and Company, John Mayer's impact on the band, what's next, because they're actually folding up at the end of the year. Please, I'd love to have that conversation. And John, Bob, anybody in the band, if you're listening, I would love to have you come on this show. That would be that would be a highlight for sure. <laughs> so everybody else knows John Mayer, knows Bob Weir. Um, you should reach out. I will also say, for better or for worse, you have created a mini deadhead in our house. Yes. Um, <laughs> Very proud of that. So he has created a mini Lego monster in our six-year-old daughter and a mini deadhead in our two-year-old son, who now can sing a lot of songs, appropriate or not appropriate. Uh, we yeah. won't go into the songs he likes the best, but... Well, there's some drug use in one but, of the songs that he knows the word because he's just heard it. I didn't teach to him. He just learned it. So it's amazing. But yes, um, so you are creating mini-me's. I will also say, going back to your note on imposter syndrome, um, I would assert that everyone has imposter syndrome in some capacity. Um, yeah. I know I do for sure. Um, and... I would just say like when that comes up, one of the things I do is just say like, I belong here. Like you kind of just have mm. to like give yourself the speech of you've earned it. You belong here. You've done the work. Um, so yeah. Yeah. But imposter syndrome is a tricky thing that I think yeah. we will all have our whole lives, especially when you're yeah. doing big things and trying new things. So yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, all right. The next question on my notes is ask Jason anything, but I'm pretty sure it's ask Kirsten anything. So I will yeah. hand it over to you. I'm curious yeah. what you want to ask me. Yeah. I'm going to actually ask you, since we have you here, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you about leadership. Leading high performing, high functioning people. We won't go into exactly what you do. You can connect with Kirsten on LinkedIn if you want to find out more. But you run a, you work with very accomplished people. You're a very accomplished person yourself, and you lead a very a very accomplished people. Quite frankly, some of them with way more education in terms of, you know, like types of school. Not that the school you went to is amazing, but you know, type of school. Some of them a lot more experience. And I want to ask you to share with us your your leadership philosophy. 
And then based on where this goes, I might have a couple of more detailed questions, but really just want to hear from you. What is your leadership philosophy as a leader of people? Wow. Um, Welcome to the job interview. So one of the things, <laughs> uh, one of the, I mean, this is a big, bold question, which I like. I love this topic. Um, but one of the things that you and I are opposite on um, is I really like to prepare uh, for things versus fly off the cuff. Um, so this is a little bit outside my comfort zone, but I will fly off Perfect. the cuff. Um, so I would say, you know, my career philosophy is you shouldn't feel like you have to go up to do a job. You should do a job you're passionate about. So I work in sales and I really wanted to lead people, but I work with people who feel really passionate about the the job that they're doing and they don't want to be in management. And so I think, you know, philosophy number one is when you're in management and or leadership, um, it's really important to make sure you're in the spot that you feel passionate about, that you want to be in, et cetera. Um, mm. And so, you know, finding your groove is really important. And then I would also say for me, and I think one of the reasons that I'm successful in leadership is I really see my job as supporting my team. So, you know, in a, in a sense, I take their lead in terms of what they need um, and really try to show up for them where they are versus being sort of this brute force dictator. Like I don't run my team like that at all. Um, and then I also think a really important part of leadership is vulnerability. Um, and so I usually set the tone for you know, in team meetings or whatever, vulnerably, um, and then let the team sort of uh, go with what they're comfortable with. Um, mm. So I think being vulnerable, because I'm a human, and I have good days and bad days, and owning that before we even start, I think is really important. But also, you know, my job is to be in service of my team. And when I show up like that, we uh, tend to be in a great spot. Of course, there are mm. moments where I have to make decisions and we just have to go. And so I think it's figuring out that balance between when am I in service versus when do I need to push the ball forward because we might be stuck um, and whatnot. So I would say like, mm. you know, my leadership philosophy is I'm always in service of the people around me, um, but I'm also comfortable enough to make a call when needed. Um, yeah. But All yeah, right. and then I would also say like, you know, the other thing which you touched on a little bit is I'm really big on vision and goals. And I think the best way that I can help somebody as a leader is to know, know where they personally want to go. That could be personal, mm -hmm. professional, et cetera. But I just launched um, vision and goals with my team. And um, I just don't feel like I can help you. I, you know, I can help you like reach sales quota and I can help you, um, I don't know, do the day-to-day -day of your job. But if you really want my help, I need to know what you care about and where you're going so I can uniquely support you in that. Um, and I found when I when I have that type of relationship with my team is when magic really happens. Mm. I have one follow-up question that I'm present to right now. Anybody listening out there who's a leader wants to be more vulnerable. So they say, hey, that sounds great. I'm actually interested in that. They're not sure how to start. And I'm, I'll tell you the context of my question. To me, there's such a fine line between authentic, authentic vulnerability and like this person is just bringing this because they want to try to connect with me. 
I think people that know you would say you're an authentically vulnerable person. Um, do you have any, and this is, I'm actually going to ask you a how to question. The answer might be no. Do you see this as like, do you have any real thought behind it or is it just kind of your natural personality in the, like if you've, you feel like, Hey, the team could use some vulnerability for me or I want to, or you're feeling intuitively. I want to share Like, is that just something you naturally do or is there, do you have thought behind it? Uh, so I have thought behind all of it. <laughs> um, I will say I am naturally, naturally open and vulnerable. Um, however, I have operationalized a little bit of it. Um, and mm-hmm. this all came through learning and through getting feedback that I wasn't a good leader and that I needed to improve and sort of figuring that out. Um, the thing that I think really has step changed is, um, we do check-ins as a team. So we do mm. check-ins on my team and we call it high, low, higher. We don't do it every week. We do it, you know, monthly or, um, or whatnot, maybe even a little bit less frequent than that. But, um, we do check-ins to just be like, where are you at? How are you doing? What's your high? What's your low? What's your higher? And that's sort of where we're at. Um, and depending on what the team is feeling, sometimes I go first, sometimes I go in the middle and sometimes I go last. Um, my, you know, I think it has really helped people can share where, where they are. Um, they don't have to share vulnerably if they don't want to. I always share vulnerably. Um, but I think that has operationalizing that in terms of like giving the team a heads up, we're going to do check-ins. It started with quarterly offsites. And then when COVID hit and we weren't able to do quarterly offsites, we just started doing it on Zoom. Um, it used mm. to always be sort of an in-person exercise and then we had to adapt. And now it's something that we just have uh, created an operations around in our day-to-day. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would say back to your question, like, I think it is a bit natural for me, but I have also operationalized it and created expectations with the team that I will always show up vulnerably. I will ask the questions, but I also want to know how you are. Um, and so I think it's a balance. Um, mm. But those who work on my team or have, have worked with me know that I'm pretty operationally focused as well, which is not natural to me, but I have learned um, how to do it. And so I think there's a balance between natural ability, but also expectation setting. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for offering that to everybody. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, your team is fortunate okay, to have you. And I, I know, well, your team is fortunate to have you and I know some of the people on your team and I, I be pretty sure they feel the same way as the type of leader you are and, and the results that you generate while also bringing what you just said. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Um, but I will also say, you know, it, it's always a team effort. So like while you were thanking me, it's not about me. It's about how everybody shows up. I'm setting the tone yeah. you know, in a lot of cases, but um, it's truly always a team effort, especially in a high performing sales. Work. Yes. Um, okay. Now I am taking the mic back. Take it. <laughs> um, what are you passionate about? Oh, man, I'm passionate about so many things. I'm passionate about the Minnesota Vikings and they lost yesterday. <sighs> Sad passionate about them. Deep, deep sigh. Deep sigh. I'm yeah, I'm really passionate about NFL football, specifically my Minnesota my beloved Minnesota Vikings. 
I call them my beloved and forever disappointing Vikings. I'm passionate about, <clears throat> I'm passionate about music, like listening to music, playing music, specifically my guitar. I'm passionate. I'm really actually passionate now about, cause our son, like we joke about, grateful dead but like i'm actually really passionate about having him really experience music because he seems really into it and i don't and our daughter wasn't so much so it's like to start to see that i'm passionate about our family i'm passionate about our dog i'm passionate about (laughs) i'm passionate about what i do uh, and i do a variety of things i'm quite passionate about all of it which is a really nice feeling because i didn't used to be that passionate about what i did when i worked for other people i mean i was passionate about it to a point but i'm actually passionate about the impact I can create and make and what the difference could be for people based on the spaces I'm in. I'm passionate about this podcast. I'm passionate about, um, the thing I'm most passionate about anybody who knows me will tell me, will, will tell you this about me. The thing that I'm most passionate about everywhere is how can I have more fun? And as somebody who's married to me, you know that it isn't always fun. (laughs) So, um, to be married to me, but also just like life isn't always fun, but I am so passionate about how can we make this even more fun. And through that lens, I've been able to create almost everything I've done when I, I didn't have an eye on that lens. It was tough. Cause like for me, you know, this, we have this, you know, thing we call like your essence and one of mine is play. Like, how can I have more fun doing this? How can I have even more fun in this podcast this year? How can we have more fun in our marriage? How can we have more fun parenting. Like what's the thing that's going to be fun? Because I know for me, like that it's one of my unique things that if I can access more fun and I truly have fun, the result is almost always great. Not just for me, but for others, most of the time, not always. And being open to what might be the most fun thing in the world to me, like going to great dead and company concerts (laughs) might be fun at all for other people. And that's okay. Yeah. So if I was going to boil it all down, having a lot of fun. Cause you're only, you're only on this, uh, you're only here for one trip around this thing and you never know. And like, to me, it's like, if it ain't fun, I don't want to do it. It's kind of how I look at it. And yes, I have to do a lot of things that aren't fun, <laughs> but right. so I'm going to ask the audience, uh, reach out to me and give me your tips for making cleaning fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there, I think there's a, uh, uh, I think there's a, I would yeah. not even call it subliminal. Not even call it subliminal <laughs> message inside of there. I think that's a direct ask of how to maybe motivate me in certain ways. And we'll leave it at that. Ooh, he's cutting me off, but I'm actually in charge here. Um, anyways, okay, well, um, I guess that's actually good fodder for me. So if I feel like I need to motivate you, I just need to make it fun. Yeah, that's pretty much okay. true. And there are very specific ways to make things fun that you should know. Okay. Grateful yeah. Dead. Blasting. No, that's, that's, that's one for sure. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm putting my mouth or my hands around my mouth and saying, audience, reach out. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. So switching gears a little bit. What? What's the thing, I guess the one thing you are most proud of? Mm. You know, I, I just say this on this, on the podcast, every, it's like 95% of the guests that come on that have children will say they're children. If they, if they don't have children, then huge range of issues. 
I would say for me, it's the life that we've built, which obviously includes our children, but you and I have been together quite a while. I love the life we've created. I mean, how often do you run into people that, you know, like we both actually love what we do in our mid forties for some and very early forties for our others. Um, and most of the time, yeah, I just turned 25. (laughs) Yeah. But like, that's a cool model for children, uh, parents to be like, Hey, like they, and, and I, I didn't, I didn't grow up like seeing my parents, um, like upset about what they did. My, my dad actually loved his career, but I know a lot of people that hate what they do and they they're tired at the end of the day. And like, we don't, I mean, we're tired, but it's like a good, it, like I always relate to your job and my job on most days as it's kind of like we play a, a really competitive, competitive athletic event. And I know you were a former, like you played sports in high school. I played sports like, Hey, I'm tired, but it was like a good day. And I know a lot of people don't have that experience. And why I'm proud of that is because our children get to see that energy. They're like, Hey, like, and it's against like the possibility. I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of like where we live. I'm proud of how we spend our free time. What little free time it seems like we have. I'm proud of, I'm proud of just like all of it, all of it. That's what I'm most proud of is the life that we've built. And that includes those little monsters, little deadheads and Lego, Lego master, future Lego master. Again, Lego masters will earn if you're listening feel free. We're looking for sponsorships for this episode. I think he'd be a good guest too. Um, he'd be a good guest. And also that's produ- executive produced by Brad Pitt. So, you know, Will, if you want to, you and Brad want to come on here, I'm cool with, I'm cool with that. That would be great. Set big goals, set big goals, set big goals. You never know. You never know. Um, our son, Jason doesn't know this cause he was getting this podcast set up. But when I was putting him down for a nap today, as he's stalling, he asked me for his guitar. And I said, no, because we don't take our guitar to nap time. Love that um, kid. But he is very into music. Um, we also listened to in the car today, because he ran some errands with me. We listened to, we will rock you about four times. Mm. Uh, Moana. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. About seven times. And then I was like, okay, we're moving on to Taylor Swift. And we listened to I Andy mean, those are all great. He goes, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's pretty funny. Queen, um, Dwayne Johnson, Pixar, T-, T Swift. I mean, that is a good, that is a good, that is a good synopsis of our, of our life. <laughs> like the music that gets played in our, our house. Sonos play. yeah. Of our Sonos playlist. Yes. Um, awesome. Um, next question is what something you are afraid might actually be true about you? Mm. Well, I'm going to do something different than what I answered earlier about the <sighs> something that I'm afraid that might actually be true about me is that I'm lazy. So for those who listen to the show, and Kirsten, you may remember this, you may not, because don't, you don't listen to every episode, I don't believe. You go and listen to these other epi- podcasts that like have millions of downloads. I don't understand your choices in life, you know. but this should be your number one. But anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But the second question <laughs> I always ask is, what do you do to compensate for that? Because this question is specifically designed to poke at the thing that you, the people might believe to be true about them. It doesn't mean it is true. It's usually more of like a past-based story or something. 
And so I'll just, you know, like the question here, I would say is like, what do you do to compensate for that? I do to compensate for that by being, by being pretty darn driven most of the time and also having a full calendar most of the time. And I know that that is like the the full calendar is effective. And also I know that there's an element there of like, well, let's just, let's just prove to yourself that you're not lazy. Let's go and do all these things. You know, like people always say to me and I think they say to you like, oh my gosh, you do so much. I'm like, Hmm. So I say all this because I actually don't relate to that as wrong. Like the fact that something like, Oh, I'm just lazy is like, I don't relate to that as wrong because you and everybody else listening has things like that. They're like, Oh, I'm this. So therefore what do I do on the other side? And you know, people that listen to the show know that guests have come up with some brilliant stuff. They're like, Oh, well I believe that I'm, that I can never make it in business. So what do they do? They just like put the hammer down until they make it in business. Or I believe that I'm at the end of the day, I'm, I'm poor. So what do they do? They go and make a million bucks. Like, it's really a fascinating thing. I'd actually like to do a catalog, some sort of like anonymous list of everything anybody ever said here. I think it'd be really cool to see how like, it's like a kind of like a human, like a glimpse into the human mind. Maybe, maybe I'll ask chat GPT to help me with that. I'll feed it into the, the uh, AI and, and, be like, hey, tell me all the things that people have said based on these transcripts. It would probably work, actually, because I have a transcript of all my shows. So that's it. Um, I'm afraid that I'm actually lazy. Yeah. And your comp- and your compensation is to be busy. Yeah. Do you think you're lazy? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I am. I would offer that lazy is also a context, like. My version of lazy for other people would be like, that is not lazy. You know, like, like it, it's, it's all on a paradigm. Yeah. I feel lazy sometimes, but it's all in a paradigm. So am I lazy compared to others? I don't know. Like my own version of it, but it's just what I'm afraid might be true, whether or not it actually is true. And how do we know if it's true? If it's just a context, then, you know, now we're getting into some <laughs> philosophical coaching jargon speak so that's that's what i'd give you on that one okay i mean i would say lazy is also a point of view subjective and not that's what context means probably want to be lazy yeah oh for sure there's times when i you know but but it but well so let's have actually because we have a couple minutes here let's actually address this because i think this is something you probably run into both for yourself but also for working with high performers is like oh unless i'm stacked to the gills there's something that isn't being done or that it might be like an indication that I'm not as driven as I should be. But the truth of it is, is sitting and watching your favorite show or like, and I'm talking about like reality TV or sitting and doing like whatever the thing is for you that people define as like, well, I can't do that because it would show that I'm lazy. I would offer, is that really lazy or is it just you giving yourself a break from like the go, go, go? Yeah. Well, I don't give myself a lot of breaks. Um, I've also learned that my calendar being stacked is not helpful for me. So I've mm-hmm. relearned how to set up my day for success. So I'm successful and everyone around me is successful. And it is not having meetings from eight to six or whatever, because I need yeah. time to think and breathe and eat yeah. and go to the bathroom and all of those things. So, um, absolutely. But that, that had to be trained. Uh, um, <laughs> We probably had to learn the hard right. way. Uh, 
Yeah. And I had a brilliant um, admin um, teach me how she manages executive calendars. And then I just Mm -hmm. took all of those tips and use them to manage mine, which has been life changing. Learning how to manage your calendar to set yourself up for success, I would say is a life changing skill, which might actually be one you want (laughs) to. I should we you and I should talk through those steps. Um, okay, um, we have three more questions left. So mm-hmm. the third to last question is: How do you see the world? I see the world as almost endless, endless possibility. And I'm going to speak in a very like American context here. Where let me explain. We're not really subjected to like government control. Yes, some people don't like some of the things, but like in America, we can kind of do whatever we want within reason. Like we we have a lot of opportunities. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna speak from a privileged American um, thing. Is I see the world as a pretty much place of endless possibility. And I also want to caveat that by saying that there is some. You know, it's a sad place too, with lots of places that, lots of places in the world, um, lots of situations that are just horrible where people don't, you know, like I believe there's possibility for everybody, but it, for some people, it's survival is all they've got. And I'm not even talking about like just living. I'm talking about putting food on the table, you know, for a lot of places, put having clean drinking water, like the stuff that in America we're like, oh, let me go buy a $3 bottle of water. We don't even think twice about it. And other places that's, Literally, people die from you know dehydration because they can't get. They have to walk to that. Um, I also see the world as, in some ways, and this is going to sound really cynical. True is like is eight billion narcissists. Like at the end of the day, we're pretty much wired to meet our own needs. And I know it's going to sound cynical, and I don't mean that that like we sit and go like, what can I do for myself? But it's just how human beings are. Like this is how people operate. Even people that are like really self-sacrificing a lot of that self-sacrifice, because I know a lot of those people it's, it's because they're getting some needs met somewhere. And if you relate to people as like, Hey, they're going to do what's best for them or for their immediate family. It makes a lot of the choices that you see make a lot more sense. And like actually opens up for me. And the reason I like to look at the world that way is it actually opens up more curiosity as opposed to like, well, that person's an asshole. And yes, there are some assholes. <laughs> there's a few, there's a few assholes. You and I share the views on most of those assholes. They're famous, but yeah, the views like full of possibility. Eight billion humans, imperfect, that have a certain amount, certain wiring that's going to have us looking to get our needs met. And I also see it as a place that um, last thing I'll say is I see the world as like fine. It's finite in that, like it is a limited resource in terms of the actual planet. And as a parent of two young children, like I really wonder like what we can be doing, what more we all can be doing now to create that going forward. And that's like a, that's a technical answer to that question. I see the world as like our, the planet earth is a finite resource. A lot of these, like these things do not regenerate. A lot of these things do not regenerate and that's scientific. Yeah. That's what I got. You want to go zero waste? Mm. That's for another <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> I 
I might be too lazy to do zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, going back to previous questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. All right. I don't know if this question is as relevant to you. But how can yeah, we find ask it you? here because I have a great answer for it. <laughs> how can we find you? Here on the podcast. If you're listening and you made it this far, then you know where to find me. I'm here every week. Wednesdays, 6 a.m. Eastern. You can also check my website or Instagram. My name is I'm the only person in the world with my name that I that I'm aware of, which is kind of nice. I think you're the only person in the world with your name too, which is pretty cool. Definitely with my spelling. I have I have yeah. met some people that have like differing spellings in both first and last yeah. name, but very similar. But, yep. Yep. Um, I'm here. Anyways, okay. Okay, so find Jason here. Really any social platform, I would guess. You can just type yep. his name in and find him. Um, are you on TikTok? No. I've been told oh, by okay. a few people I should be on TikTok, and I just... I just, I don't I don't know if I want to do that. Okay, well, if you think Jason should be on TikTok, reach out to him. I am personally not go. on TikTok and not interested in another place where I can, you know, waste time. Um, yeah, but maybe Doom maybe you can be the first creator on TikTok for us. Um, there you go. Okay, so the last question is: leave us with words of wisdom that can fit on a post-it note or a computer desktop. So I'm guessing that's like one or two sentences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've given the first one. My Dr. Phil Stutz. You want to be right or do you want to create something? I like it too because it's open. You know, it's open interpretation. The um, the other quote I want to leave everybody with is uh, "Grateful Dead" lyric. Okay. They can from the song "Truckin'." This might be my next tattoo as well. Is um, it's in uh in the bridge of the song and says, "Lately it occurs to me what a long, strange trip it's been." Okay, we leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Thank you for the awesome Great interview. Ending. I I don't know. I have a feeling. So as we wrap up here, I have to share with everybody. If you're still with us, thank you. My episode with Kirsten as my guest last year was, I think, my highest performing episode of this of the season. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see the numbers for this one, and also a little scared that you might be the X factor, which may, what makes people continue to tune in. And what does that actually mean about this podcast? Because you do not have time to run this podcast. So, um, yeah, but I'm I'm excited to see because people. Uh, that was a very well received episode last year. We got a lot of feedback from friends. They're like, oh, it was so fun to hear that. So hopefully you get that again. Please provide us with feedback. Dax and Kristen, Dax Shepard, Kristen Bell, that was you were the inspiration for this show originally. And if you ever listen to Armchair Expert, their first very first episode was Dax and Kristen, and they got in a fight. And it felt pretty organic and real, which I think we've avoided today, but could very easily happen if we needed to. <laughs> needed to, or we could Should very we easily go. But yeah. about all of our fights? Yeah, I did. I've got a list fight, of top top fifty podcast. marital fights in the past thirteen years. Of riveting, riveting content. I think our friends uh, Robert and Kaylee, who have the married entrepreneurs uh, in the book Tandem, they like specifically coach married couples on entrepreneurship. I think they'd be so proud of us because we were on their podcast last year talking about our relationship and like how we make it all work. And then I had them on my on here last year, and like that's specifically what they coach on. So 
if we're going to go there, we might want to do it in, um, in collaboration with them and then offer their services out. <laughs> they would have some, yeah, sure I don't have think a we're the people. Us. Yeah. We're definitely well, thank not you so much. It's really on marriage. <laughs> thank you. It was a pleasure to be on this podcast that I never heard of before. It was really a delight to be a guest here. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe there will be more of us in season four. I have some ideas that we should talk yeah, about. Yeah, me too. Line. All right. Thanks, babe. Okay. Thanks, for di- thanks for doing this. Bye. Goodbye, yeah, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.